Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Rosiel and I am the host of the show where I have conversations with Olympic athlete hopefuls and legends on their story and path to the games. Today I have Stephen Benedict. He was formerly on Team USA, currently on the Italian track and field team, and he is training and getting ready for the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. Stephen was an awesome guest to have on just to talk about his whole life. He had a very awful, essentially, upbringing, um, uh, you know, from the fact that he was in foster homes and, you know, eventually his adopted parents um, that brought him, you know, everything he he has. They, they were incredible, incredible people and unfortunately uh, sort of suffered untimely deaths. But, you know, what Stephen has been able to do in their honor and what he's been doing on their, uh, through their name and their power has been absolutely incredible. He currently yeah, he is the founder of Fostering Success, a, his philanthropy efforts, he does speaking gigs, his business, he's utilizing his platform and he's absolutely crushing it. Not only that, he's also one of the a premier runners with a very, very great shot at making the 2021 game. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Stephen Benedict. All right, today's special guest, we have Stephen Benedict, Italian track and field team, Olympic hopeful, born March 15th, 1984, began racing like most, I assume, most track and field athletes sometime in high school became professional in 2010, currently training for the now 2021 Tokyo Games as of literally this morning, and is also the founder of Fostering Success. Steven, appreciate you hanging out with me today, man. Thank you. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Michael. Appreciate it. Pleasure's all mine. I'm not going to the Olympics anytime soon. <laughs> Doesn't seem like I am right now either. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you at least got another year, year and change. So we'll see what happens there. But um, we'll get to that part. Uh, we will definitely get to that part. But yeah, man, best story start at the beginning. And I, I know you got a pretty intense one. So definitely want to make sure we touch upon um, all this stuff. So this is this is your platform, man. Go. And if I f- find a reason to ask you a question, I'll just stop you and ask you a question. Sounds good? <laughs> yeah, sure, definitely. Um, so I guess, you know, like you said, I think the best place is just to start at uh, brick one of everything and and that started when i was very very young and kind of the the base building of everything of who i've become from that i don't really consider myself um i'm an athlete but i'm an athlete by as a byproduct of what i've gone through and what i've used as a platform and what i mean by that is that i was put into foster care at at four months and then put back into my mother's hands um, later, about two years later, and my brother was born, and I have a younger brother. We're two and a half years apart. Then we were put back into foster care. Um, when I was four, he was two for about six, seven years. Uh, it was a lot of bouncing around, a lot of living in and out of hotel rooms, um, very unstable situations. You know, just at that particular time in our life, the most important things for us were to keep a, a roof over our head, a warm meal, and a hot bed. Now, those are our priorities. Um, Fast forwarding a little bit, we were blessed enough to be adopted by two great individuals. My mother was a second grade teacher. My father was ex-Vietnam and then went on and moved to work for Merrill Lynch on the New York Stock Exchange. So we had really great dynamics there, Um, great education bringing up. Uh, They they really uh, opened up the doors for us in so many areas as far as education, sports, music, art. so we got into sports a lot and my first sport laying about out you know the platform and discipline area wise what i what i believe is uh judo i did judo for 10 years you know, wow. which was yeah which was great for me i loved it i love the sport i still love it um that would probably be something i would go back to i tried to do it simultaneously with track and field and it did not work at all <laughs> it's just too much wear and tear <clears throat> um and then 
you know, I did a plethora of other sports from baseball to soccer to football was my next biggest sport. I played football all the way through junior high school and then in high school. Then when I was a freshman year in high school, the track and field coach saw me on the track and on the football field and approached my parents and, you know, asked, said, you know, we'd like to have him come out, try out for track and field, you know, as freshman, you know, as freshman indoor season after mm-hmm. football. And um, I really, really had no desire to it really wasn't on my radar i mean what 14 year old i mean i always make the joke with track and field athletes like your sport is everyone else's punishment right like it's every other sport you do something wrong you have to run your sport is we'll start running right it makes no sense to me pretty much and it's just non-stop uh, and you know so i was i was really was going to i had thought of doing uh, wrestling i was going to wrestle because judo and wrestling are very similar and i was just more technical in judo so uh that was my thought process but my my mother was like well you've done this for so long try something different you know if you don't like it you don't like it whatever the case is you can go on to something else so i did that to appease her and you know and wound up going out my indoor season as a freshman and wound up winning county championships in the 300 meters um so kind of stuck with me then Mm -hmm. and i just kind of liked the camaraderie of the team but what i most liked about it is that i controlled the outcome you know, it's, it's whatever you put into the sport, you get back from it. Uh, yes, it is a lot of discipline. Yes, it is a lot of, you know, um, loneliness and times of having to just kind of like motivate yourself. You know, you have to have good coaches around you to just kind of push you forward and get you through those gruesome workouts. Uh, but um, it really grew on me and I wound up, you know, being wound up having to do a, a bunch of things in high school. I was just so grateful for the team that I ran for. You know, you don't get to see that a lot in high school where you get to compete outside of like your, your really like kind of like your league and, mm-hmm. you know, your county and things like that. We got to compete in uh, pen relays and ran at states and, and county championships, meet, meet of championships. So I got to see a very broad picture of, of the sport at a very young age, which I was very grateful for. That is uh, Oh, that's awesome, man. And it sounds like, again, going back to kind of your, your roots a little bit, that judo aspect of discipline, that judo aspect of, you know, you're, it's, it's, it's a very individual sport and you're able to kind of draw upon that. It sounds like that was super helpful in, in getting, you know, going through and that, that mental grind, not just the physical, but the mental grind of the track, uh, track season and being a track athlete as well. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And that, that's why I say, you know, I always, I always refer back to that as my first sport, but also the, the foundation that just laid out everything for me in order to handle these types of things mentally and also physically. So, um, you know, and then, uh, gosh, I think, well, hey, let's, yeah, let's wait ahead. a second. So, so just the, the aspect that you also brought up, as you said, like most people, um, you know, you get to, you're playing rec baseball, you're playing rec basketball, you're playing against like the county teams or, or maybe right. a little bit, you know, I think it's really cool. You brought up the aspect that you got to go out and, and kind of like push those boundaries a little bit further. And I guess see not quite the world, but get to see a little bit more of what's around you. I mean, I remember in high school, like I, you know, I played sports. We rarely ever, it's not like I went to New York city. Like I remember one time, like the Newark East side team came and played us and we were like blown away. Like, wow, like what's Newark doing all the way out here? Newark's like 45 minutes from where I live. I don't know why at the time it was crazy, but it really was. And it sounds like you kind of were able to at least notice that at the time where, you know, you're coming, where, was, uh, where did you go to high school? Fort Lee? I went to Fort Lee high school. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to the Penn relays where those are located. I'm assuming <clears throat> Pennsylvania. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it to, to have that kind of competition that it, it feels a little bit bigger, right? Like going further away to compete, it just feels a little bit bigger. So how, how did you kind of like really take advantage of that aspect? 
Well, you know, I mean, even, even when I was competing at, you know, I think, I think the biggest thing for me was to see the caliber of athletes. And I'm a very big advocate of when I speak to younger athletes nowadays is that they're so kind of like put in this box where they're in high school, they have their high school season and that's it. And then, Mm. and then they're off for the summer and they don't do anything. And I'm very big advocate of telling them, take advantage of this summer, get into open meets, see the different caliber of athletes. Cause in those open meets, you're going to get, you're going to get some pros that are in there and you're going to get to see like, Oh, all right, this is way out of my mm-hmm. wheelhouse, but it's something to aspire for. And it's something to get yourself. Even if you get your doors blown off, it doesn't matter because then you're going to come back to where you were in high school and you're going to have a different perspective. Like these exactly. kids are nothing. Uh, and I think it's, it's a very big aspect that we lose is, is the perspective of things, the perspective of life and, you know, in the contrast of life that we're doing, you know, whether it be sports or whether it be in business or anything like that. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, that bubble. Uh, you know, I grew up in one of those bubbles in the, here in the suburbs of New York City and Philadelphia. Um, but no, you, you make a great point. And that's great advice for, for any of the kids listening out there. That's awesome, man. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and like Penn Relays, Penn Relays was like, Penn Relays is a world meet. Mm-hmm. So you have, you know, kids from all over the world and, and pro professional international teams. So, you know, that was a great experience, but you know, I, I really use that as, Oh, you know what? I, <laughs> in, in that particular time in high school, you have like, you're the athlete and then people know you're the athlete and they're all like, Oh wow. Well, this and that. And so you kind of soak it up. You're young, you're dumb, you know, you don't, you don't really kind of like, I wish I put in more work than I did mm-hmm. in, in high school and I was running on a lot more, uh, I was running on a lot more of talent, natural talent than I was running on a lot more of hard work, mm-hmm. you know, which I feel now I know in hindsight, it's, it's totally the opposite. It's totally 100%. opposite, especially in this sport. Uh, and it goes across the board in any sport, but especially in track and field, it's all about the, the due diligence and it's about the consistency and it's about, you know, just being able to, go in on every practice and put forth the best practice and lay it down and the best as you can and just worry about that practice. Don't worry about the next one, you know, because they'll start stacking up mm-hmm. and then you'll have a, you'll have a parameter of where you were to where you are in that current position. But I feel like we get ahead of ourselves a lot. So I tried not to do that. Um, but you know, when I was going through high school, I got you know, my senior year in high school, I got the, I guess you can call senioritis. <laughs> you know, so I was messing around a lot. I didn't put in the work I needed to. I was favored in the 400 meters to win, um, to win my league, and then go on to county championships and you know to do some big things. And gosh, I was playing basketball in uh, in in gym and messing around on the day of league championships. I was playing basketball, came down and twisted my ankle and my season was over yikes um i lost a bunch of scholarships because wow. of it yeah and um, because you know, that was that was that was the uh make it or break it right there you know mm-hmm. they wanted to see the times you know they saw previous times but you know it was just kind of you know at that particular time and you know senior years is like your olympics um, yeah that's <laughs> well, one way to put it yeah i mean i i did some pretty dumb things at 18 too uh so you know you're not the only one in that boat but yeah it's definitely i mean at least you can look back on it now um and realize and then again be able to share that with people and be like you know let's, let's just look at this if you have your league championships today probably a good idea to sit that gym class out if they're going to take a letter grade off i think you're going to be fine if you're you're rolling with some scholarship opportunities on top of it yeah without a doubt you know and i, I think we're just young and we, we want to 
we want to hang out and we want to do the things that we want to do to, to have fun. But I think in that same manner of speaking, that's where the athletes that really excel and the athletes that kind of like become mm -hmm. weekend warriors are, there's a big difference in there. They know the priorities and they have the people around them to keep those priorities intact. So uh, it, it's tough. It's tough when you're, you're going through high school and doing that stuff. But um, after that, I went on to college and I had to go to junior college for two years, you know, just to kind of get my, actually, I only went for a year because my first year out of high school, I wasn't even going to run anymore. I was done. I was so mad. I was oh, just done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I was in that, I was in that state of mind where I was like, nah, whatever these colleges, whatever this and that, I lost all because of this, whatever I'm done, whatever. And um, so my junior, my first year of junior college, the track coach who was an ex Navy seal, you know, really great guy. You know, one of my best coaches, I have to say, uh, he found me in the school and asked me to come to the meeting. He knew who I was, he had seen me run in high school at some of the bigger meets and you know we just clicked and uh, you know he put me through he was he was a you know he was a tough tough coach but you know saw a lot in me and um you know that year i went to nationals for junior college and wound up doing really well and wound up getting a scholarship to rhode island university you know uri back on the east mm -hmm. coast which is d1 school and great facility great stuff going on there um i love the school love the Love the atmosphere and, you know, coaches were great. Athletes were great. Uh, we were Atlantic 10 championships repeatedly. So um, it was, it was a good experience, you know, and then, uh, gosh, what else is in there? Uh, college years, they were uh, yeah. another. <laughs> we don't have to go too deep into this, yeah. Stephen. We're good. We're Please. good, man. We all yeah, went to good. college. Like, it's, it's, we did some things. We're never yeah, going to talk about it again. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I'm sure you had fun, as you said. You know, let's stick right. to the sports aspect of it. I mean, yeah. URI, uh, I had some friends that went there. You know, obviously, again, being here on the East Coast. I mean, I had a, a couple friends that went to Providence as well. And, you know, I know there's like, I don't know, there's like 18 colleges in the span of mm -hmm. Rhode Island, which I don't understand how that happens, but it does. And they're all yeah. great schools, if I'm not mistaken. So, something happened up there that worked out. But um, yeah, no, I mean, you know, division one, like, what was that like, I guess, you know, you kind of being pissed off at the world because of something you did, ironically enough, and then not wanting to run. Thankfully, this coach finds you, you crush it in that year of Juco. And then those colleges kind of start coming back. Was that was that a little extra layer of validation? Were you kind of a little less of a moody teenager at that point? Like, on a personal level, how did you kind of deal with that? You know, it sounds like 14 to 18 month span. Um, it was, it was definitely different. I think that was kind of like, you know, there, there's definitely markers on, if I go back and I look at my career and I look at the people that was surrounding me, there's definitely markers that I can pinpoint and, and people that I can place a finger on that have actually really have kind of spoken into me, I say, you know, and, and seeing things in me that I didn't see myself. So I think those were, that was one of them. And that coach really, you know, pulled it out of me. I didn't expect it. And I didn't expect him to come out and ask me about things. So, um, you know, it was, it was tough. Um, but it, it was definitely a great learning lesson and it definitely re-sparked my love for the sport and, you know, just moving on to that and, you know, and, um, just being able to run for a, a great college like Rhode Island, it was, you know, I always feel like for myself, I've always said that I've felt like I've always taken 
kind of like not the long road, but always like the detour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I've always had to learn something else to get back onto track where where I need to be. And it might be a roundabout way, but I always wind up doing it. Uh, and I think, you know, that, that may resonate with somebody, you know, <laughs> you know because we, we all have to learn our lessons. And to this day, I'm still doing that. And mm-hmm. just a shorter period of time. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, hopefully the detours aren't as long. But hey, man, I mean, however, especially when you're a teenager, that's just how life is, right? Like I did so many stupid things that eventually I came back to originally what I should have just been doing the whole time. And I knew that, right? right. So it was one of those things that that's just how it happens. And then with, um, with kind of, you know, for quote unquote, quitting track and field for that, you know, seemed like a, uh, you know, half a second. How did your, how did your parents feel about that? And especially because your mom was the one who pushed you, um, you know, your adopted parents, your, your mom was the one that pushed you to join, mm-hmm. you know, what were they like, no, it's cool. You can quit. Or was that an argument waiting to happen? Well, I think, I think ultimately, you know, they were upset when I was coming out of high school, my mother, especially she's being, she being a teacher and mm-hmm. very, entwined in the educational system i mean her school was literally up the block from high school so if we got in trouble they all knew her oh yeah she she was like on the bat phone it was like literally like (laughs) it was Uh literally up one call um so i think you know they looked at it as a lesson for me but Mm -hmm. uh when they especially my father and my mother but when they when i was in in junior college and they met the other coach, they really liked the other coach and they thought he was really good for me. And uh, mm-hmm. they thought that they, he didn't take, he didn't take any garbage from me whatsoever. Um, it was literally his way or the highway. And you know, it was, it was, it was another disciplinary le- learning lesson that I needed. Mm-hmm. I needed structure. I know that I need structure in my life. Otherwise I'm all over the damn place. Uh, so I think there, it wasn't really an argument. It was more of like, okay, well, uh, what are you going to do now? And if you're not going to run anymore, then you need to get a job or something, or you need to, you need to do something that is going to be pushing you in the right direction um, of, of, higher, of higher learning or mm-hmm. whatever the case is. And I was going into art, and I was always involved in art through high school and things like that. So that was, that was ultimately what I was studying in college, but um, it was either – I run and I do and I do my education or I don't run and I just focus on my education and things like that. They weren't, they weren't mad. It was ultimately at that age, it was like, it's your decision. You do what you want, but ultimately you got to be happy with what you're going to do. Cause if you're going to be miserable, then it's not the right fit. Mm-hmm. For you, you know? mm-hmm. So they were, they were positive in it and they were always pushing me to do the things that, that, uh, that I love to do. So. that's awesome running was one of them so yeah yeah exactly so they knew they they, at this point they probably knew you well enough that they kind of saw this as a detour and they kind of knew all right i guess we have to go through this shit again but all right steven whatever you want to know and and that makes sense and again you know very very grateful for people like that um Mm -hmm. so you're at uri for a few years uh, as you said continuously you know eight ten champs did you ever go to ncaa's or have that opportunity um no i didn't unfortunately um so my second year at Rhode Island, I had to come back down and I had to leave the school because, uh, and I had to go to a state school that was closer to me to finish up my college, uh, my last year in college, because at that time, my, um, my adopted mother, she, she was diagnosed with bone marrow cancer. Mm. And, uh, so I want to be closer to home mm. and, you know, and there was, there was just a lot of things going on and, um, it was a very tough year. She got diagnosed in, uh, 24. 
2014, I guess, or so, um, somewhere around there, um, maybe a little earlier. Mm -hmm. And then, and then um, within a year, she passed. Uh, uh, the following year, she passed, and she had to go through eight surgeries Oof. within that year, reconstructive surgeries within that year. She came out once during that year, which was, um, which was for Christmas, and she went right back in. And mm -hmm. then that following February, she passed. So, mm. Sorry um, to it, that, man. yeah, it was tough. It was, it was, it was a big blow to me and my brother. You know, as you know, she was a. She, she was a very influential person in our life and you know she was very bold and um you know was involved in everything we did you know from sports to music to to school to everything i mean she had her hands on everything and uh, she did some amazing things she was probably the strongest woman i've ever met um without a doubt mm -hmm. you know some of the things she did not take she did not take um no for an answer <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, with anything, especially with things that uh, included men being of hierarchy or anything <laughs> like that. She was always, well, she was like, all right, I'll show you. No problem. Good for you her. Know, which was, which, you know, which was a problem in some say, oh, <laughs> cases. Yeah, but... you know, it is what it is. <laughs> but, That's uh, awesome though. Yeah. Sorry to hear that, man. You know, and, and super unfortunate, of course. I mean, you never want to, you never want to hear that. But again, as you said, she was so influential in your life. She was so strong as, as a person, as a woman. Um, for you and your brother to look up to. I think that that's, you know, at least, at least you had the time you did with her and you could learn and you could enjoy and you can have those memories and those stories and, you know, utilize them moving forward and, and take right. that for what it is and, and uh, just take the memory of her and everything that she taught you guys and move forward with it. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was. And that's, you know, that's what I use it as, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, gosh, I think. Where did you we, end up? What, what school did you end up at? What Montclair State, State University. Okay, cool. My girlfriend yeah. went there. Yeah. So look okay. at that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I graduated from there, finished up my college degree there and, you know, did what I had to do uh, at, you know, ran there for a year, but it was very like yeah. lacklustered, you know, at that period of time. And I was just kind of doing it just to keep busy, I think, you know, more so than anything. Um, and then um, after college, graduated and then I think uh, I took off a year and then started running, uh, started running maybe a, a, another year after that and start running from a, for a, for a club team. Actually I was running solo running with a group and then I got picked up by a Nike, uh, a Nike farm team, which was mm -hmm. New York city runners um, back in um, NYC. So mm -hmm. I was training with them and our home camp was the armory. So I was training there for a while. So I ran for Nike for two years. Um, and then Unfortunately, we had our second blow hit us. You know, mm -hmm. um, my father was down in Florida and he was visiting his brother at a retirement home and which ultimately he wanted to retire to. And we'd spoken to him the night before. And then the following day, I got a call from my from my uncle. And I thought it was a client of mine that I had to be up for. And I was talking to at the time. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it wound up that uh, my father had the on their retirement home. They they drive golf carts. So they were coming home one night and they took a turn and he got thrown from the golf cart and wound up hitting his head in all the, in all the right areas, unfortunately. Mm. And it caused a lot of swelling and put him into an irreversible coma. And within a week I had to take him off life support. Oh my uh, goodness. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was tough. So, you know, this is like a two year period for you. Yeah. Three year. Yeah. Three year period. Shoot. Yeah. Three year period, you know, which within that gap of things and, um, just really tough really tough um, to watch two extremes of things, you know, watching my, my mother kind of deteriorate within a year from cancer and how that process goes. And then 
seeing and hearing from my father within a day and then never being able to speak to him again. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of like those two extremes you get, you know, that really quick takeaway and then that really long kind of dragged out thing. So, um, but, uh, you know, I, I really try not to focus on that period of time. I focus mm -hmm. on the period from the time where we were adopted to the time that we had with them, which was about, you know, 10, 11, 12 years, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, uh, just very grateful, great, grateful yeah. for that time and, and what they did for us and the chance they gave us, you know, the second chance of life they gave us and the exposure they gave us to be able to do the things that I'm doing now. So that's become the catalyst mm -hmm. for the things I'm doing. Of course. Yeah. I mean, sounds like incredible people uh, to take on not just one, but two uh, siblings, right? Like that's even more work, more energy that they need to put into it. So it's awesome that they kept you guys together, but also yeah. just the, the, you know, it sounds like, you know, through your stories, through everything that you said, just that they're just good human beings. And, um, you know, it's easy, it's easy to, to remember all the good things that they did and how they helped you guys along the way, just because they were, they were just such incredible people. And you're able to utilize that and channel that and take that energy and move forward with it as it seems that you're doing, uh, which is awesome, man. So really, appreciate you telling these stories i know it's probably very hard but i really do appreciate it uh no 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 problem you know i think i think at this point for me it's it's something i feel like i it used to be very hard uh, yeah. to get yeah. through this stuff but um now it's at the point where i feel like i'm doing better for somebody else mm -hmm. by sharing this exactly then yep. instead of like not so yeah. Yeah. You never know who else is going through whatever. Um, and, you know, this is obviously something very difficult, especially as we said in a three year period. And and as you kind of said, you know, the two extremes of, um, you know, how that 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 dynamic um, and, you know, just being able to take that and, you know, again, understand that other people are going through things as well not going to compare your situation to someone else's because, you know, obviously never walked a mile in your shoes and, and neither someone else's, but at the same time, it's just understanding that there's people out there going through things and they can reach out and you can reach out and there's always someone else to talk to, which I think is very important uh, because there's a way through it. You know, you're still here, you're, you're still rocking, you're still doing a lot of great things again in their memory and, and, and through what they taught you, which I think is the most important part. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and then that's, that's how I'm looking at it right now nowadays and, you know, and that's how I'm using it as fuel. So, Love it, man. Keep yeah. going. Keep it rocking and rolling. Yeah, yeah. What else? What else? Um, uh, so you, you spent know, so two years with Nike. Do you want to talk about that at all? Oh, gosh. You know, I mean, at the at the particular time, Nike wasn't, I mean, it, it was, but it wasn't the monster it is now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because this is what, like mid-2000s-ish, 2006-ish, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere around there, a little, yeah, yeah, around Five, six-ish, yeah, somewhere yes. around there. Yep. And... You know, uh, it was it was great experience. Hey, gosh, I mean, you know, I'm still young in the game, mm -hmm. and you know, and you know, the way they had things set up for us, you know, obviously you're getting all your gear and all your shoes and uh, everything else like that. So you get all the perks and things. But now looking back on it, to where they are now and what they're doing now, I mean, I didn't, I don't really agree with their voice, and I don't really agree mm -hmm. with the um, the way they go about things. I think they're a very I think they're very savvy in the mm -hmm. way that they go about in their marketing, mm -hmm. but I don't think they're very, um, I think they love controversy. Uh, That's what I think. I was going to go with they're very opportunistic. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and they love to jump on what's hot and what's ruffling the feathers mm -hmm. of people uh, because they can come out and really push something that, and they know they're going to get a response. Mm -hmm. You know, marketing is all responsive. Yep. So it's, how much response we're going to get from whoever, whether it be good or bad, they're mm -hmm. still going to get the traffic flow. And if you get a bad response, you're going to have a positive response 
fighting that. So you're, yep. you, they want that, you know, yeah. and, and I've seen it with so many athletes, you know, I've seen it with, you know, Castor Simonier now, you know, they use her and um, some of the other, you know, people that were out there, you know, obviously the Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. thing, you know, so, so many, so many athletes. And, but the thing that I don't really care for is that there's such a, a big warehouse of athletes f- across the board in sports that you get lost in the mix. Yeah. You, know, you could be great, but you're going to get lost in the mix. And it's just like, I would much rather run for a, like a mom and pops or an upcoming farm, you mm-hmm. know, a company and things like that and help them build their brand and be the face and the voice of that where you can actually really give them value and mm-hmm. watch them grow and be part of that. than coming on and, um, just being, just being a statistic mm-hmm. you know, and being yeah. a number in the warehouse. Um, and then, you know, also the contracts aren't that, you know, <laughs> they're, 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 they're very loophole-ish, uh, you know, you know, there's a lot of imagine. contingencies. Yes. There's a lot of contingencies, you know. And what, what's like, what's a running club like? Like, like how much, and I'm not going to ask you how many dollars yeah, you make, but like in, right. like, are you, are you comfortable? Are you kind of scraping by? Do you need a side job just to kind of continue to pay rent? Like, like what are, because you're not in the Olympics yet, right? right. You're, you're obviously training to get there in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, that's, you know, that's the pinnacle, I guess. But like, what, what are those situations like? Who else is on the team? How are you guys kind of operating all this together? So the, the team is international, but you know, they take, there's only, there's only 20 that make the list for Nike representation. Okay. You know, so they pull out their, their top 20 and those are their elite runners. And then, you know, across the board, whether it be 800 meters, 200, 400, whatever the case is. Um, and then from there, all de- based upon where you kind of lie in there, you know, the team will allocate funds to you. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like an umbrella. So they have their, their club team and then they have their elite team. Uh, so the elite team gets money. Um, that's how it works for here in the States, like, mm-hmm. or, or as, you know, those types of teams over in Europe, it's a different situation. So, you know, you can get, you can do really well running for some elite clubs over in Europe. It's mm-hmm. a different, you know, track and field over there is, is like compared to baseball, football, basketball here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, whereas soccer, track and field and cycling is great over there. Um, you know, in, in, but in answering your question, you know, like, without a doubt, you, you have to have, you have to have another source of income coming in mm-hmm. without a doubt in this sport, you'd be, you'd be, unless you're like bolt and <laughs> you're, you know, you're yeah. like some of the top dogs, like pulling in, like, you know, have a big, big lucrative contract. Even those guys would be, you know, um, silly to not have other sponsors and other sources or reinvesting their aspects, you know, their assets to other to other sources that are constantly coming in because these contracts are like super flaky, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, if you get hurt, you know, you're, you're, you're getting pulled. I mean, it's that, I mean, I've seen Nike do it. I've seen Nike like pull. I know this one runner, I'm not going to mention her name, but she, um, exceptional runner. She won indoor championships, uh, world championships came back out and then took bronze at the Olympic games. And she was like, I had a, monster year i'm gonna go back and i'm like this is what these are my credits i can you know i can you know renegotiate my contract Mm -hmm. based upon this you know i've hit all these uh, you know markers nike said 
you're out of here. No problem. We don't care. Wow. I mean, like that, like that type of stuff is just, you know, it baffles me. I like these athletes are killing themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. there's Olympic athletes that are like struggling, oh my struggling goodness, yeah. to get by. It's, it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's really disgusting, especially, you know, in, in, in this country, you know, it's like just the marketing for it. It's just like, they're not putting in the marketing dollars for it. And, um, and the only time they want to do it is when the Olympic games come around, mm-hmm. you know, that's the only time you hear about this stuff, but these athletes are training for four years and, exactly. and they're competing consistently world championships and like all these meets. So it's tough. Um, it's a, it's a broken system. It's definitely a broken system. Yeah. And, you know, shout out yeah. to people like Alex who put us in contact for what he's right. doing. He's awesome. Right. You know, I love, I love his mission and how he's helping. So, you know, hopefully right. more people like him pop up around the world and can help athletes right. like yourself and some of these other Olympians, uh, because yeah. I agree, you know, that's why I do what I do too. Cause you know, it's, it's, it's a broken system. And if there's a way that we could fix it just a little bit, um, on a daily basis, man, let's, Let's get it going. Let's see what happens. So that's enough. We don't need to keep bashing Nike. We yeah, could do that yeah. all day, I guess. That's an easy one. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty easy target. Pretty um, so after, so you become an, uh, a, a professional athlete, you know, you're working uh-huh. with Nike when, um, you know, so this is 2006 ish. So the 20, 2008 games in Beijing, what was that ever, was that on the radar? Was that something you were shooting for? Was that like a realistic opportunity at that point in time? Uh, I mean, it's something I would have loved to do, but I, of course. I, 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 just, I just couldn't. Uh, there was just too many. At that particular time, I was still questioning myself as an athlete okay. uh, because of everything that was going on family-wise. There mm-hmm. was a lot thrown at us. We had a mortgage thrown at me and my brother. We had to set up funeral arrangements and things mm-hmm. like that. So there was a lot more stress than being able to train consistently for mm-hmm. something of that caliber. I was still training but uh it was very lackluster yeah yeah yeah. um so you know um so yeah it was it you know i i watched it i loved it you know and you know that that was definitely um a change in the sport at that year you know that's when both broke the record their Mm -hmm. world record and you know and the 200 meters you know so you know the, the sport really got a surge you know which was great but um i was still figuring out and then Right after that, we were, you know, there was a lot of turmoil and, and, and things going on with, you know, my brother and my self relationship with him is just, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot, he was getting, he was getting married and he, he just got engaged. So their next step was obviously to get married and, you know, um, we still had the house. So then, you know, we were like, all right, well, what are you going to do with the house? And, um, so I made the executive decision at that time and we wound up selling the house to, you know, and he went his way and then. I think like, gosh, two days, three days after we sold the house, I had gotten a plane ticket to California and only took my TV and my clothes to come out here and train with some of the best coaches out here. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like my new start of things. Mm -hmm. Go for you, man. Sometimes you got to wash that stuff away. It is what it is, but. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was a big move. It was a big move. Oh my God. Yeah. And I didn't know anybody out here, but I did have a coach lined up um, Mm -hmm. at the particular time I was training with Larry Wade. You know, so um, out here in California, and he was he was great. You know, he he did some really great things with me and helped me out and pushed me in the right direction. And then I only was I was only with him for a year, uh, and then he had to move to Vegas, which wasn't ideal. Um, but um, you know, he pushed me in the right direction for some other coaches, and then I wound up training with some of the best coaches. You know, John Smith, you know, who's trained, gosh, you know, uh, some of the biggest ones like Maurice Green, Adel Bowen, uh, Carmelita Jetter. Um, mm-hmm train with them for a year and now I'm with uh, Aaron Lacey. I've been with Aaron Lacey for about the past two years. 
mm -hmm. um, two and a half years. And uh, I really feel like I found my fit with him. Uh, he knows me as an athlete. He knows what I need. And I feel like he listens to me. Oh, and um, I think that's super important when you find a coach uh, that, you know, they don't throw you in the muck of just training for kind of like your body type and things. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm on the bigger end of guys, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I'm very muscle dense. So coaches are automatically, Oh, he can run the hundred, you know, and throw him in the hundred. But like my system, the way I work is that I need that distance base in me mm -hmm. and I can run for a longer period of time and maintain my top end speed for uh, a longer period of time. And I've always known that, but coaches really didn't listen to me in that sense. So now I feel like for the first time in my career that, my coaches are actually listening to me and we switched. So now I, I concentrate on the 200, 400 meters, which is amazing for me. And um, I'm just looking forward. To, I, I feel, I feel different. I feel like my, my career has really taken a new fresh start. With mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. yeah. Took a little while to get there. That detour again, but we're here. Gosh. We're Gosh. here. Took a detour, but we're here. That damn man. Detour, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so, I mean, in the beginning, I mean, yeah. when, so that was 2008, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately all those, that stuff was happening with your parents and, mm -hmm. and your, your family and everything. It's just kind of a shitty situation. Really not yeah. much else I can say about that. Right. Um, moving to that, that next quadrennial. And, you know, as you said, you came out to California in 2012, you actually qualified for the Olympics yeah. Yeah. for team USA. Yeah. Um, what, so, so you went over kind of the coaches and how, how much they had an impact on you and what you did. I mean, what was it like qualifying for the Olympics? And then unfortunately, you know, not actually being able to attend the games. Um, God, I felt like that was like my, my third blow of things just yeah, after shit, going yeah. through, uh -huh. you know, it was just like another thing. I'm like, really like, um, tearing a hamstring coming off the turn of the 200 meters. It was just, uh, I knew, I knew it was, just, mm -hmm. it, it wasn't like a little thing. Like I literally like had to jump off the track and I was like, I was knocked out. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely gut wrenching and, um, I didn't know what the future held at that point. Uh, I thought that was it, to be honest with you. Um, but some of the stuff that, you know, I was able to get my hands on and be able to be around like laser treatment and things like that, it mm -hmm. just really healed me up, you know, twice as fast. And um, luckily it wasn't like a tear from the bone or anything like that, that caused, that needed any surgery or anything. Um, you know, it was a belly tear. So um, it was just a matter of not being able to do anything. I was on crutches for a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm and how to immobilize it but um it was definitely not a not a fond situation it was definitely no. not, not something i wanted to be a part of um but uh i guess it's just another piece that adds to the story yep. oh and um i'm a another big chapter, believer in right? timing yeah i'm a big big believer in timing and you know uh, i at that particular time i was running at the best the best in my in my career you know i i definitely felt that um i just felt different on the track but now I can say that again. Now I feel mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, even in my workouts, I feel different. I feel stronger. I feel stronger than I did then. So I'm excited for what's to come. Um, and I, I really, I can't, I can't sit and I like to, you know, I can't sit in the past and can't sit in that old story of things because it's not going to do me any good. So of course um, not. I'm, yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm just really focused on this moment and what I need to do with my coaches now. And um, we're getting, we're getting a game plan ready right now. Um, mm -hmm. you know, obviously with what's going on. So yeah. Yeah. 2021 now, not 2020. Um, 
And then what about um, 2016, the quadrennial leading up to 2016? Mm-hmm. What was um, what were you rocking with then? Um, I was just I was just actually training. I just trained through. I mm-hmm. trained through. I didn't. I want to. Um, you know, I, I didn't really, I didn't really run consistently enough, get in meaning like I didn't run enough races. I felt comfortable mm-hmm. with in being able to do anything. And, you know, I was still, I was still feeling a little bit of a, I guess that whole hamstring thing took me about mm-hmm. two, two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, so to really get my confidence back. So kind of like there was only yeah. really a year and a half before 2016 and plus in 2016, there was the whole Ezekiel virus thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that whole thing that like, and you know, the Olympics then were, those were very lackluster. Um, there was a lot of things that weren't finished. Mm-hmm. Um, athletes were very scared to go because there was a lot of, you know, crime and things like that. I mean, the, the basketball team stayed out on, out on a boat out in the middle of the ocean because they didn't want to be, on, mm-hmm. they didn't want to be on the Island, but, um, I'm sure there was, they had a couple other things on that. Oh well. yeah. Well, uh, yeah. On, on, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, they're a bunch of NBA stars. They, they didn't, you know, <laughs> need any, anything much, but, um, but yeah, yeah like, uh, that wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, that really wasn't, uh, on the radar for me. So again, um, just kind of the timing of it all. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you know, tearing your hamstring is, uh, I've personally never done it. Knock on wood. Um, I don't really exert myself that much either, so I don't see it happening anytime <laughs> soon, but it's definitely just one of those things where, you know, it does take a while, especially for an elite athlete, an elite runner like yourself to just get back to a hundred percent. And then you have to then, I mean, that's just health wise. And then you have to get back to the level you were at. And it took you how many years to get there already, right? It's just yeah. not, it's not something where if it takes you two and a half years to feel back to normal, it's not going to then take you a year and a half to get back to the status and, and the, the, the accomplishment and how good you were at the time uh, to get back to. So it makes sense. And again, just the, the timing of it all. And as you said, now, you know, these last few years, you've been able to crush it. Of course, timing now you have a different you know, disease and coronavirus to deal with. Um, so, you know, that kind of just pushes it back another year. But um, at what point did you decide to switch uh, from Team USA to team to the Italian national team? Uh, I want to say right after, right after 2016. Okay. Uh, and yeah. what was, like, what was the basis and the reason behind all that? Well, I was kind of always looking into it and I was always like, you know, the U S team is so hard to make, you know, it really is. It's we're, we're such a melting pot here. We have athletes coming in all the time because of the coaching and everything uh, and the facilities and everything else that are going here. So you have athletes coming in from overseas who wind up getting their visa and then their citizenship, which bulks up the pot even more. And from that, just to make the Olympic trials, they're only going to take what top 30, you know, um, in each event. And then from that top 30, you know, top three are definite for individuals and then they'll take another three for alternates and things like that for relays and, and such and such. But um, the main reason why was to really honor my mother's, my mother's family and my family mm-hmm. and, was, uh, and my father's family is because, um, you know, she was Italian, whole family was, you know, brought up Italian. So then I looked into things and I, I didn't even know if I was going to be eligible. So it's been a lot of like, kind of like paperwork searching and mm-hmm. ancestry searching and lineage. And it winds up that I am. And, um, you know, whereas I would be probably maybe top 20, 30 here in the U S like top three, four mm-hmm. over in Europe, you know, and so the numbers are better, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, um, you know, 
I, I'm just, I feel like I'm different and I feel like I'm supposed to do this. I feel that's like awesome. that's where I'm supposed to run. And, um, you know, I, I love being over there, but more so I love feeling like I can, I can do something that will be a, in honor of my parents. Mm-hmm. You know? That's awesome. And, and so it's, it's something tangible for me, but, um, it takes, it takes a long time to get this stuff done. You know, yeah. Like, oh yeah. And it's not just like, Hey guys, I'm running for team Italy now. Yeah. Like that's not quite how it, how it works. Right. It's, it's, yeah, it takes a lot longer than I expected it to, but, um, got it done. And, and, um, you know, just right now I'm just looking forward to it, but, um, I was actually supposed to be over in Italy and, uh, gosh, the end of February, right before everything mm-hmm. blew up yeah. and, um, we, we canceled the, we canceled the trip. I was supposed to be over with some of my coaches over there and then it just got worse. But, um, you know, my heart goes out to them and the athletes yeah. that are going through everything right now too. But, um, yeah, but I'm looking forward to representing them. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And I, you know, as I told you before we hopped on, uh, before we started recording, you know, my grandparents are off the boat Italian. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, that's been baked into my blood. That's kind of why I love this, this long form storytelling. I mean, I, every Sunday I go over to grandpa's, he tells me the same yeah. story. There's different, <laughs> different people, you know, all of a sudden now there's this whole nother character that I never saw before grandpa. I don't, th- I don't really know if you're telling the story right No, 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 no. Okay. Sounds good. And it's just, that's kind of just always been, you know, my, my life, you know, that's yep. my, my dad is first generation, um, American. Right. So mm-hmm. like they are, just the old school, like cook lunch at, you know, breakfast at 10, lunch at 12, snack at one kind of people. And I love every second of it. And they're, they're incredible. And it's just, I've always been attracted to stories and storytelling and how people do it. And that's really what led me to this is, uh, it's just been, I've done it my whole life. So that's makes it super easy for me to just ask questions and, and see how people do things. So I, I like that. And especially, as you said, this, the aspect that you get to, to honor your parents and how, as we've heard over the last 45 minutes, whatever it's been, how impactful they've been to your life. I think that's a a great reason and great cause to do it. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Thanks. No, thank you. I don't have a shot at getting to the Olympics anytime soon. So I appreciate what you're doing. And yeah, obviously everything that's happening over in Italy is just terrible at this point. Really nothing, nothing good we can say about it. I mean, as you said, I think before it's almost like the epicenter of, of what's going on now. This, the, 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 and I don't know how much people are still taking it as serious as they should be. I, you know, you see pictures all the time and the media does like to, to rile people up from time to time. But uh, yeah, like hopefully people start to just stay inside, relax, just hang out like we are doing here, at least what my girlfriend and I are doing and, Hopefully this can kind of blow over in a few weeks, but it seems like there it's, it's a, it's a, not, not a great situation to be in. Yeah. It seems like it's getting a little worse there. You know, um, it's, it's not just impacting the elderly, it's impacting the young mm-hmm. now as well. So, you know, and, and, you know, that, that's, that's a, you know, that's a serious thing, you know, because it's just like, uh, gosh, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And, mm-hmm. um, like, this is not, this is not a time to party and no. it's really not, you know, and, uh, you know, I was just watching a bunch of things about Italy and stuff like that. And they're like out on the streets, like forcing people to get inside. Mm-hmm. Like, did well, someone's, someone's got to do it, man. Someone's got to do it. I'm sure you saw that yeah. thing going around, you know, the, the meme that was going around the internet where, you know, Russia let go of like 500 lions or something as a joke, <laughs> obviously. But it's like, that's how you know you're going to stay inside if all these lions are running around. Someone's got to do something. So hopefully they figure it out. Have you been in contact with a lot of the athletes over there and with your time kind of running for the team, growing a lot of relationships, I'm assuming? Yeah, especially my coach. My coach is in Rome, so I've been in contact with him nonstop, and then uh, you know he's been updating me on things. But you know, obviously everything's been canceled, and mm-hmm. it's just about you know really getting things you know back to 
somewhat normal, you know, where you can get outside and start utilizing some things is obviously impacted training across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, the IOC, the Olympic committee had no choice. I mean, for them to postpone it, to make this decision this long was obviously a, you know, um, a political thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. but um, you know, there, there was no, there was no choice in for them to have, I mean, there was countries pulling out already. So. Yeah, exactly. Once you saw countries pulling out, you knew kind of, all right, well, mm-hmm. hopefully they don't cancel it. And thank, thankfully they did not. I can only imagine the logistics going into postponing something like this. Mm-hmm. It's not just like you put on the calendar. All right, we'll just do this in 365 days. There's <laughs> a couple of things that have to happen um, along the way to make sure that gets done. But right. yeah, man, congratulations on all that. Really excited to watch you hopefully in the, uh, in the 2021 games now, um, yeah. you know, doing your thing for Team Italy. I think that'll be fantastic. But a couple other things I want to get to, obviously, um, you know, I said in the beginning, founder of Fostering Success, mm-hmm. you do speaking, uh, you know, obviously of your business, the, the design that you were telling us about a little bit earlier, you still do some of that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, like utilizing this platform that you were that not given, you earned it. Um, that's what I always like to make sure that people realize you worked significantly hard for this platform and now you're utilizing it in multiple ways. Um, you know, I want to touch upon all three or four of those things. I mean, whichever one that you want to talk about the most first, like we, you know, whether it's the design, the speaking, the, um, you know, speaking, you're pretty good at, you got your mic, you got everything set up. So I appreciate that. But um, mm-hmm. fostering success as well, whichever you want to touch on first, we can just rack out the other two after that. Well, I think, I think, you know, you know, as you mentioned, like the platform itself, and I think that's very important for athletes nowadays and, and younger athletes coming up to know that, yeah, there, yes, there are contracts and there are things that you can get your hands on. Um, but they're, few and far unless you're like like at the cream of the crop of things you you got to find a way to not put all your eggs in one basket and you have to really be omnipresent especially in this day and age uh, branding wise self-branding you know integrating yourself with other brands um, just having a voice and just covering as much as you can but when i'm when i say that i don't I don't mean in the sense that people love to run off on tangents and just mm-hmm. be like, oh, hey, you know, you'll see it on Instagram and things like that, where people are just like, like make their pages like marketplaces for crap, mm-hmm. you know, where they're just hawking stuff all day. Um, stay in your lane, you know, really stay true to your values, who you are as a person, as an athlete, make sure that everything aligns with that and then build projects off of that. And I always, I really always try to keep that in alignment. And if it's not, I really bring it back to that alignment. Whereas like, if you know, these, these are my values. And if this doesn't line up with this, you know, and if it doesn't, you know, really is not a part of me, then I'm not going to use it mm-hmm. in a sense. Um, so, um, you know, as far as like my branding stuff, fostering success and, um, uh, fostering success is, is definitely a branch of, who I am, but the project is not about me. So it has to do with elite athletes and celebrities, and then also my foster kid side. So basically it's a nonprofit and I've taken a different approach to the nonprofit industry since I've been to so many charity dinners. And I know that at some point at every charity dinner, you're going to be asked for money. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that puts a damper on things and it takes away from the main cause of things and the essence of the event and what they're there for. So what I, what I've done is I've put something that has come from the organization that is tangible, that meaning that 
whatever money they put into it, they're going to have something in their hands, tangibly known that they've contributed to this. And mm -hmm. the first aspect of it is a, is a documentary book. So I have 15 female elite um, athlete celebrities and then 15 male elite athlete celebrities. And I partnered with the Children's Bureau of LA, which they incorporate some of the foster kids from there. And I set up a photo shoot with the athlete and the, and the foster kid. We document the day together. We're going to compile this book and it's going to be sold nationally. And those proceeds will go, you know, some will go back to children's bureau to help them out with the kids and supplies and things like that. But then it'll also go to the proceeds or go to the foundation to help build out mm -hmm. um, things like the gala. And, and then ultimately from it down the road, is to build a, a foster home, a foster home that's impacted by sports, um, where the kids can come and they can integrate with athletes, maybe on a once a month basis, you know, having, whether it be professional teams be involved in the building of the, of the uh, foster home, soccer, football, basketball. I just really want those integrated aspects because I feel like sports are very, they're a very solid foundation for kids to express themselves and also build out that coaching aspect much more so than a lot of the education aspects that mm -hmm. they're going to get you know um, they're going to get that disciplinary aspect and that, that foundation within sports and how to know how to cope in certain situations that are volatile and you know and and, and know how to push through boundaries and things like that i think you we all get that from sports mm -hmm. um, um, i know that i've gotten that from yeah, sports yeah. So i'll speak on my behalf um but you know, that, that's the, that's the fostering success foundation aspect of things. Um, the speaking aspect, I love speaking. Mm -hmm. I love, I love being good at it too. So <laughs> appreciate <Doesn't> it. <laughs> trying it. I'm trying, I'm trying, but, um, I love being on stage to not so like being in the spotlight, but I love seeing the reactions to people in the sense of like, they wouldn't expect to hear my story, mm -hmm. but I love to use the story as a catalyst for them. And I don't expect them to relate to it in any sense of the form because I can't relate to yours. You can't really relate to mine because you were not in my experience, but the, the aspect in which I approach it is that we can all relate to a emo the emotional piece of things. So mm -hmm. whether it's abandonment, whether it's fear, whether it's loss, um, you know, overcoming love and all those things, those are the emotional pieces that are universal. Um, mm -hmm. and I, and I feel like that's where we connect. So if they've lost somebody, you know, they can relate to where I've lost somebody and have numerous counts of loss mm -hmm. um, and see how we approach those aspects and overcome those aspects. So those are one of the topics I speak on, you know, as far as a story aspect, but I also speak on mindset things, you know, really honing out on the mindset, how it controls your body and, and doing those things and being able to forge through aspects of things mm -hmm. and doing certain modules and certain exercises on a daily basis. You know, so that mindset aspect and then performance stuff, you know, I speak on performance mm -hmm. and optimizing the body to its best performance and staying in your lane and being able to um, really bring your body to the performance aspect of things. And then finally, and lastly, I speak to corporate, corporate wellness and, mm -hmm. and um, C-level uh, CEOs on how what I do on the track translates to business um, as an athlete, you know, so like the due diligence, like speaking to CEOs, how they can be, get their, 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 all the people that are below them to become more productive, uh, product, um, producing more, so mm -hmm. more productivity in the workspace, more cohesiveness being integrated because, you know, some of the people that are down lower be below them, 
don't feel very valued if they're disconnected from the CEO of the company. Mm-hmm. And as a CEO, you're a leader. Yes. And you, and you need to lead. You need to lead. You need to delegate. But you also need to lead and feel like, you know, you can step down and show that, you know, you're a human just like everybody else. You can't mm-hmm. be from the tower pulling your strings like a puppet master. Uh, so um, those are some of the things I speak on, which I really enjoy doing. And I look forward to doing a lot more speaking this year when stages open up again. <laughs> my fingers crossed for you, man. I know. So um, that's that. And now, you know, there's a couple other projects coming on the board and I'm, I'm always looking to get my hands on something new and, but uh, also trying to not add too much to the plate because yeah. obviously training has got to be at the mm-hmm. forefront of everything. Yep. So. Because the, the better you do, the more you train, the more of these opportunities come about. So it's this weird right. dynamic and this kind of like balancing act a little bit, but it seems like yeah. so far you're doing a killer job at it. So Steven, this was awesome, man. Uh, I sincerely appreciate your time. Steven Benedict, Italian track and field team, you Olympic hopeful 2021, I guess. Weird to yeah. say, but we'll see how it happens. <laughs> but really appreciate your time today, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And I uh, look forward to hearing from everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Steven. As I said, he was absolutely so much fun to talk to. Such an incredible dude. So please make sure to check out all of the links in the show notes. So that way you can follow him on all his socials. He does a pretty darn good job there. Make sure to follow us as well at ourathletes.us on Instagram, at ourathletesusa on Twitter. And also please make sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That would be super, super helpful. So thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. And I hope you make it a wonderful day.